Good morning. Welcome to worship at First Presbyterian Church of Columbus, Georgia. We're glad that you're here to join us as we worship God by offering our prayers and singing songs and listening to scripture. Please come in with us that we may worship God together. The first reading this morning is from the prophecy of Isaiah. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will appear over you. Nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look around. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from far away, and your daughters shall be carried on their nurses' arms. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and rejoice, because the abundance of the sea shall be brought to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you, the young camels of Midian and Ephah. All those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense, and shall proclaim the praise of the Lord. And the flocks of Kedar shall be gathered to you. The rams of Neboeth shall minister to you. They shall be acceptable to my altar, and I will glorify my glorious house. Who are these that fly like a cloud and like doves are to their windows? For the coastlands wait for me, the ships of Tarsus first to bring your children from far away, their silver and gold with them. For the name of God your Lord, and for the Holy One of Israel, because He has glorified you. This is the word of the Lord. The second reading that we may listen to this morning is from Matthew, the second chapter. Let us listen that we may hear what God may say. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all of Jerusalem with him. And calling together the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And they told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called the wise men and gathered from from them the exact time that the star had appeared. And then he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring him, bring me word so that I may go and pay him homage. And when they heard the king, they set out. And there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. And entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chest, they offered him 
gold and frankincense and myrrh, and having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the word of the Lord. What would have happened if the three wise men had been wise women? You probably have heard the joke, maybe. My mother actually has a towel crocheted with this answer. On, she displays it on, uh, right outside of her front door. What would have happened if the three wise, wise men had been wise women? They would have asked for directions. They would have arrived on time. They would have helped deliver the baby. They would have cleaned the stable. They would have made a casserole. And they would have brought practical gifts. You know, there's no doubt there's some truth to it. But sometimes you can get in trouble when you ask directions. Because actually the wise men did ask for directions. And it made Herod nervous. Where is the king of the Jews? And Herod thought he was the king of the Jews. But they ended up finding the Messiah anyway. And as they prepared to return home, as the wise men prepared to return home, they had a sense that they should not go back and tell Herod. And so they left by another road. They left for their safety and for the safety of the child by another road. When you read on in Matthew 2, you hear the rest of that story that Matthew tells about what did happen. And there was reason for them to be concerned. Taking another road opens up all sorts of possibilities. It may bring to mind that line from Robert Frost's poem, The Road Not Taken. Or the book that takes a variation of that title, Scott Peck's Road Less Traveled. You may have had an encounter with your own coming to a junction and then realizing that you need to go in a way in which you did not think about beforehand. As Yogi Berra said, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. The scripture story of the wise men and their departing on another road is a chance for us to ponder individually and as a community what road options may be. Often in life we assume that we don't change much, that the road is pretty well laid out and there are not a whole lot of decisions to be made. Babies grow up, adolescents develop. But once we reach maturity, we think, you know, things are pretty set. My course is direct. But is it? Psychologist Daniel Gilbert did an experiment a number of years ago. He found that when he asked people how much they had changed, that were people well into their adulthood, they would say, well, you know, maybe since adolescence, not much. But he began digging down and he asked in increments of time and and he came up with this 10-year increment. And he discovered that when you ask somebody how much they've changed in 10 years, they begin to acknowledge that there's significant change that's happened. How much has changed in your life in 10 years? How much has changed in the life of this church in 10 years? 
We're affected by those sorts of things. Let me tell you how I've changed in 10 years. 10 years ago, I always stood behind the pulpit to preach. Now, you might say, well, what are you doing? You're standing behind a pulpit now to preach. The only reason I'm standing behind this pulpit now is because the architecture of this room is such that there's not really another place to stand for people to see me. I like to stand in one place. Most often, as I do in the chapel and as I've done in, many, in a number of other churches, I stand away next to the communion table or some other place where people can see. The only reason I stand here is because to be seen, this is the place to be seen. But 10 years ago, I was always behind the pulpit. And I realized through a series of experiences and, and growth that I could stand away and move away from this and still effectively share and preach as I, um, I, I was called to do. Ten years ago, I assumed that my health was okay, that I ate well enough and that I did just enough exercise. And then a few years back, something happened. And I had one of those life-changing events where you see your own mortality. And I learned that there were some conditions that I had just to take care of, and so I did. And I began to change my diet, and I began to change my exercise regimen. It's not perfect now, I'll tell you, I'll grant you that, but it's better than it was, and I've changed in those 10 years. 10 years ago, I was a father. Now, I'm a grandfather. And I've got to say, that's changed the way I see the world and think about the world, not simply about what is available and will happen for my children, but for what will happen for my grandchild as well. I've changed how I do ministry. I've changed how I take care of myself. I've changed how I see the world. I've come to some of those forks in the road, and I have taken them, as it were, in, in my ministry, in my life, and in the way I see the world. And because of all of that, I think I'm a better preacher and pastor. I think I'm a better father. I think I'm a better person, and I know I am healthier. But all those things have been done not so that I would be better, but those things were done so that I could find new vitality. And as I did them, I found that vitality. Often in life, we, we find that there are times and places we do not expect to be. We make assumptions that things will continue pretty much the way they always have, and sometimes they do. And sometimes we find that we are put in a situation by circumstances where we need to take another road. We need to explore other options that are out there. There could be a voice or a dream or a calling that you have as an individual or as a church, something to, to do something different. Ten years ago, where were you as an individual? What were you doing? What was your circumstances? What are they today? And how have you changed? Ten years ago, a number of you, like I, myself, were not here at First Presbyterian Church in Columbus. We were somewhere else, doing something else. 
10 years ago, there were people who were here who are no longer here for any number of reasons. Ten years ago, First Presbyterian Church was in the middle of a massive called by the Spirit capital campaign that was used to enhance and improve and lift up this building and make it a wonderful edifice and, and facility to share ministry in. In those ten years, a lot has happened. Some of those things have been the source of great joy and excitement. And some of those things have been the source of pain and regret. Yet individually and as a faith community, you have had the ability to make choices amidst all of the different challenges that have been happening to you and among you and in you. Sometimes you didn't even realize when those choices were being made. One of the things that's happened over the last 10 years for First Presbyterian Church has been the change of pastors. Pastors come and pastors go. It's just the way of life. The road changes. And with the Lord's help, we all find ourselves making our way down this different road. I'm often asked what it is about interim ministry that I like. I, I came to a road, I came to a place in, in my life where I was... Uh, offered the road to go down and serve churches in an interim and intentionally in an interim way. And I did that, and I have done that, and I will continue to do that. And that has been my calling. And I'm asked by people, why do you want to do that? It seems like you're going from place to place. You don't get to know people really well. What, I, what it does, though, is it allows me to enter into a period of life with a church, with you and with other churches before, but it, it allows me to enter into a period of life with the church and see excitement and energy burst forth in ways that maybe you didn't think was possible. I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, in one of the churches I served, there was a, a woman who was an, an elder. She was a first grade teacher, and she was great at organizing anything. I mean, she could organize first graders really well, and she could organize adults really well as well. But she did not want to be in front of anyone. She did not want to speak publicly. You may know some people like that. They are really great organizers, but they don't want to speak. I had the occasion to be in a meeting with her, five or six other people. And as we Presbyterians do in our meetings, we start a meeting with prayer. So I looked to her and I said, would you pray? And she looked back at me and she said, Joel, I'll do a lot of things, but I do not pray in public. Well, it wasn't exactly public. It was like a small meeting. But I went, okay, I got it. You're not going to pray. And I filed that one away in my brain and went on. I never asked her to pray in public again. And about a year later, we were getting ready to have our annual congregational meeting, just like we will have here at First Presbyterian Church in a couple of weeks. And I was working with the, the team that was going to uh, prepare that, and she was part of that, and she was organizing it. That was her role. And she went down all the list of things that had to be, business items that had to be dealt with. And then she said, well, we need to have a prayer to open and close. I'll do the opening prayer. And then she called on another elder to do the closing prayer. I was really grinning, and like, it was obvious, like, and she said, Joel, why are you grinning? And I said, well, 
in all the years I've done this annual meeting stuff, I've never had anybody volunteer to pray for the meeting. It's always been something that the pastor's been looked at to do. And I am just tickled to death that you wanted to do that. Somehow, I don't know what happened to her during that time, but somehow she went from being in a place where she said she did not pray in public to being in a place where she affirmed and accepted and initiated a chance to do that. That is a gift. It is a powerful and wonderful gift. Another example that I could say is when I came to join you almost two and a half years ago, the last thing on my mind that the church needed to deal with were stained glass windows. The very last thing on my mind. I hadn't been here six weeks before I got the message that the stained glass windows need to be replaced. They're going to fall out. The common wisdom is that when you're in a transitional leadership position, you don't do major capital campaigns. But when your windows are falling out, that, doesn't, that throws the conventional wisdom out the window. And you responded. You responded with deep conviction and, and hope to, to make a statement, not only to yourself, but a statement to the world that First Presbyterian Church is a place where God's light shines in and out. That is a powerful message for you to share. And it's something for you to affirm. Ten years ago, a lot has changed since then. And ten years from now, no doubt, things will have changed as well. Our time, our season of ministry together is coming to a conclusion. But you will continue to have new opportunities. You are not who you were when I came here. You are not who you were ten years ago. You are becoming who God is calling you to be in a new way. You cannot simply go back to the way things were, but you need to go forward along with those wise men and wise women on a different road, a road that is led by faith and hope and love, a road where you develop and continue to develop your strengths and your passions and your call to service by being God's people, by following God's leading, by sharing God's love. Thanks be to God. Amen. It's been a privilege to join you this day in worship. We're glad that you were here. First Presbyterian Church seeks to serve and minister in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord be kind and gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor. Go in peace as you love and serve God.